Hey everybody, this is Kale Clark. Welcome back to the Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. So we're rolling through Romans, St. Paul's greatest letter, according to many. And th- again, this is this is my, if it's not my favorite part of the letter, it's one of my favorites. This is where Paul gets really super practical about everything that he's taught, the, the deep theology, but how it applies to everyday life. It's always practical. And in Romans chapter 12, this is the second half of the chapter in the first half of the chapter, which we looked at last time, he started talking about spiritual gifts. We all have them, and we all have to use them, recognizing that they come from God. We've got to serve the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters, and the church and the whole world as well. And in the second half of the chapter, he's going to string a bunch of commandments together. It might sound a little bit disjointed, but it all will make sense. So let's pick it up. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 9. He writes, Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, never flag in zeal, be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so lots of lots of famous... Uh, stuff there from St. Paul, verses that we are really familiar with, we've heard many, many times. But it does seem like uh, just a collection of short little commands that aren't really related, they're a little bit disjointed. But that's really not the case. That's really not the case. The, and every sentence here is super, super short, super sharp, and super to the point. But what really binds everything together is this is really all about love. How to love God and love other people. And in fact, you you show your love for God by loving other people. And so when he says at the beginning of this little section here in verse 9, let love be genuine, or some translations have it, love must be sincere. In in fact, in fact, this is actually one way to translate this verse. In the original Greek text, it literally says, the love sincere. It's like everything I'm going to say next is going to explain this one thing. The love sincere. It's a little bit like, I don't know if you guys are jazz music fans, John Coltrane, famous musician. He once had this album. It's really about God. It's called A Love Supreme. The love supreme, the love sincere. That, that's that's really what this is here. So what 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 this is really going to do is show that true love is not hypocritical because that, that's... That's essentially the the meaning of this word genuine, what's translated in English as genuine or sincere. It it essentially means in Greek, it's not hypocritical. 
the idea is we want to avoid play acting in our Catholic Christian lives. It's very much the same thing that Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount when he talked about the hypocrites, the play actors in Matthew's gospel. People who put on their piety for show, like they're wearing a mask. Uh, they want other people to recognize their good deeds, their, their public practices of the faith. But God sees what's really going on. He sees the heart, and he is not fooled. So we have to avoid this. And this is going to be one of the many times in this chapter where Paul will echo the teaching of Jesus here. And he's going to really show the, the influence of Christ on his own life. So let's look at what sincere love really looks like. If this whole chapter is really about the love sincere, let's see what he says here. He says, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love is more than a feeling. Again, to bring music into play, my favorite band of all time is Boston. You might have known that their debut album, their self-titled album in 1976, probably the best debut album of all time by anyone, spawned a lot of hits, including their most famous song ever, More Than a Feeling. More than a feeling. I'm not going to turn into karaoke kale here, but I, I did want to sing at least that one line. And, and love is more than a feeling. There's no question about it. It, it is an action. These are action verbs. We're going to talk about the various actions that are involved in this life of love. But love also involves hate. It, it means hating evil just as passionately as we want to love God and love people. We want to hate what is evil. And really what's translated here into English as to, to cling to what is good, to hold fast to what is good, that's actually the same word that the Bible uses to talk about marital relations, the one flesh union between husband and wife. So we, we have to be that united with the good. We have to be really one. It's got to just, we've got to be one in being with what is good, the goodness of God. So this is what we have to do. And then we have here in verse 10, let's look at this, the 10th verse here. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another among, above yourselves. There's really two commands here. And we all know that... Um, the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, we know that's the city of brotherly love, and that comes from a Greek word, philio, which means brotherly love. And so we have also in, in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the, the letter to the church at Philadelphia. It's not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, obviously, it's in Asia Minor, but that's where that city got its name, the city of brotherly love. And so to, to, to be devoted to one another in, in brotherly love is a very important thing for Paul to bring up because usually this, this expression was only used within the family. Ties of blood, ties of kinship. But St. Paul's talking about it in the context of the church in Rome, that they have to be together as a family. And to, to love one another with that brotherly love is exactly what Jesus commanded in his new commandment, the mandatum novum in Latin, in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So this is how we have to love each other in the church. And it, it's a family matter. Um, listening to Drew Mariani on Relevant Radio recently, he was talking about the subject of adoption. And he has a, a child who is a, adopted, you know, a grown child who is adopted uh, a child, and that's become his grandchild. And, and one of the things that he said was that love, you know, being a family member is more than just DNA. It's a, Family is about love. It, it, it sort of goes beyond 
ties of physical kinship. And in the same, that's exactly what's going on in the church because we're all adopted children of God. And we, we have to have these, these ties of, of kinship in, in the family of God that go far beyond the physical, that, that are truly spiritual and, and have the essence of love. And, and that really is supposed to make other people uh, outside the church sort of perk their ears up and, and say, what's going on here? I've never seen this kind of relationship, this kind of care for one another, this kind of self-sacrifice in society. I don't get it. These people aren't physically related to one another, but yet they care for one another so, so deeply, that that tenderness, that devotion. And then the second part of the the 10th verse here in, in chapter 12, this idea of honoring one another among your, above yourselves, outdo one another in showing honor as the RSV, Second Catholic Edition, puts it. So, there's various translations in English. One of them is, consider others better than yourself. They all basically mean exactly the same thing. We have to put others before ourselves. And that's just, this is exactly how we are to serve in the church. It's how we should serve in our own families. Put others first. If you want to be useful, serve. That's what St. Jose Maria Escrivá said. And this is really the secret to joy in the Catholic life. And it's spelled out in the word joy, J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. God first, others second, yourself last. But you do have to love yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Jesus said, in summing up the law of the Old Covenant. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. You do have to love yourself. God loves you very much, more than all the mothers in the world put together. And so we, we do have to take care of ourselves too. But first first of all, God, and then other people. And then of course, don't forget yourself. But it, what you'll find is when you put God and others first, you'll find that your own needs are taken care of. God will take care of you. And so this is really a great expression of love. And then we have verses 11 and 12. There's a whole bunch of rapid fire commands here. Never flag in zeal, be aglow with the spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Okay, lots to talk about here, for sure. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Kale Clark. This is our series on Romans, Can You Handle the Truth? So, when he says never be lacking in zeal, and, and that in, in the literal translation of the Greek, it would be in zeal, don't be lazy, <laughs> So don't don't be lazy about your your non-laziness. You really got to go for it here. And so keep your spiritual fervor or be aglow with the Spirit. He's really talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit, that we need to be almost like human torches. We, we need to be set on fire with the Spirit. And I don't know if you're a comic book fan or a fan of Marvel movies, but you remember the first Fantastic Four movie? The Human Torch was played by Chris Evans, who went on to play Captain America. I think there should be a law against you playing two different characters within the same comic book universe and movies. But I digress. I digress. But the Human Torch, he, he's, he's, he, he can just snap his fingers and he, he lights up. He's on fire. And we have to be like that when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Just like tongues of fire settled upon the apostles at Pentecost, we, we have to carry that fire of Christ. And just be the, the zeal has to be absolutely there all the time. We can't sort of be meh. Catholics. We've got to be passionate about uh, what we're doing here. And in order to, to serve Jesus, we really have to be uh, zealous about it. Now, there's there's kind of um, 
there, there's a little bit of a of a discussion or, or a dispute about how to translate this particular verse uh, when he says be a glow with the spirit ne- uh, serve the Lord serve the Lord that could be translated as serve the time serve the time now what on earth would that mean well well Paul kind of has a similar phrase in his letter to the Ephesians which I'm just going to read to you really quickly Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16. When St. Paul says, make the most of the time because the days are evil. To, to redeem the time, to, to make use of the time. You've heard it said in the business world, time is money. Well, t- for us, time is glory, as St. Jose Maria said. So we've got to make good use of our time in serving, in serving Jesus. And be zealous. And we have, to, we have to stay on track because there's going to be a lot of opposition from other people sometimes. That's why he says in verse 12, rejoice in your hope. Because we, we don't have yet the fullness of what we possess. We've got it, but we don't have the kingdom in all its fullness. Be patient in tribulation. There is tribulation in this world. There is trouble in this world. There is opposition. And Jesus promised this. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I've said these things to you so that you might have peace because you're going to have tribulation in the world. And so we have to be patient in this tribulation. We have to understand that God is always with us and that that we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. So then we have um, this here. And and, and I want to say a word here about about the idea of hospitality here. This is the subject of verse 13 in in Romans chapter 12. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality. And that's not just in in terms of uh, an offering, offering of material help. And and Paul had received help from from his fellow Catholics as well. Uh, Food, clothing, shelter. And he worked with his own hands, too, as a tent maker to help provide those things. But we have to remember that hospitality, you needed to have this in the first century. As one scholar says, there, there weren't motels and restaurants all over the place in the first century Roman Empire. I mean, there, yeah, there were some inns and things like that, but but pretty rare, pretty rare. You had to depend on the generosity of other believers when you were going from town to town, when you were preaching. That's why Jesus said, when you're sending out the 72, hey, wherever you stay, bless the house where you're staying, eat what they put in front of you. It sort of presupposes that missionaries are going to have to depend on the hospitality of others. You can't just check into the local Hilton. You can't just you know hit up the Cracker Barrel by the side of the highway for your meal. So you're going to have to depend on other people. So offering hospitality is a great, great thing. And we have to figure out ways to, to do that. And so we have here in the next couple of verses here, a great example of St. Paul really picking up on the teaching of Jesus. Let's look at verse 14. Paul writes, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And let's look at verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Oh, I can't resist it. Let's just read the uh, the next one too. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought 
for what is noble in the sight of all. So clearly what's going on here is St. Paul is quoting Jesus. Now, Jesus never said any of this stuff directly, but it's very similar to what Jesus has said in the Bible. Let's look again at the Sermon on the Mount. Here's a verse from Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that's exactly what St. Paul says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And Jesus said something similar in Luke's gospel in a different way. Um, this is in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So it's pretty clear that Paul is essentially quoting Jesus, but not directly. And, and that's that's exactly how it's supposed to be done, by the way. Uh, as a rabbi, you were not supposed to quote like the teachings of your master like a parrot, where you just play it back as if it's a as if it's a recording on Memorex or something like that. No, you had to make it your own. You had to you had to internalize your master's teaching and be able to share it with others. You get the gist of it, but you share it with with slightly different words, slightly different ways. That that that's good. That's a good thing because that, it means that you've you've absorbed the teaching into yourself, and you can bring it up and use it whenever you need it. And this is exactly what we have to do. We have to put Jesus, not only his words into practice, but his deeds. Because Jesus did exactly this. He did bless his enemies. He did love his enemies. He prayed for those who were killing him, nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so this is a, a great example for us. And St. Paul is saying that we need to do this as well. So really the big theme here, again, he's moving from one thing to another. These are very rapid-fired rapid fire commandments that he's given here but the bottom line is this is what love looks like in action sincere love the love sincere and it means loving god and loving people and living at peace with god in peace with one another and also as far as we can possibly do try to live in a way that unbelievers can can really uh be at peace with us as well if possible if possible. It's not always possible. And so this idea, when he says in verse 16, live in harmony with one another, that's tough to do. And you can't do it without humility. That, that's what makes all of it possible because pride is always at the door. It's always crouching at the door. And just like when he was talking about spiritual gifts, he says, understand that you got to be humble about these gifts too, because the gifts don't come from you. They come from God. Everything you have, you've received from God. So don't be haughty. And in the same way, he says, don't be haughty in this case. Live in harmony with one another. Associate with the lowly. Don't be prideful. Um, humble people identify with not only the up and out, but the down and out as well. And, and both need God. Both sets of people need God. And don't be think that you're above serving, uh, just like we talked about in the last episode as well. As Jesus grabbed a towel and washed dirty feet, we've got to be willing to do that as well. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Uh, don't try to be smarter than anybody else. You're not. Uh, God is the only wise one here. There's only one know-it-all, and that's God himself. So we've got to keep that in mind, too. So we've run out of time for today, but we'll, we'll get back into this again in the next edition of our study on Romans, right here on The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. Share the podcast with a friend from the Relevant Radio app, and I'll be back later today, 5 p.m. Central, for the Gale Clark Show. Talk to you then. Peace.